Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And I could tell it wouldn't be long with me. Does that voice sound familiar? That's rock star Joan Jett, famous for songs like I Love Rock and Roll. So when I was 13, I wanted to play guitar, electric guitar. So when I started being told that I, you know, girls don't play guitar, it's like, wait a minute. Luckily for fans like me and my daughters and a lot of people I know, Joan Jett didn't let those naysayers stop her. She toured the world and performed sold-out concerts in the 1970s and 80s. But I have to tell you, not all the audiences were quite so adoring. People took great pleasure in screaming, you know, just trying to throw us off our game. And it was every kind of swear word that you could call a woman, you know. And then when that wasn't working, they'd throw things at us or spit on us. One concert in particular was really bad. I remember one time in, uh, in Europe, these guys in the audience, they sat in the front row and they spent the whole show spitting on me. And I was covered in spit and I would not leave the stage because I thought if, they, if I leave the stage, they win. And that made her angry. But instead of letting that anger consume her, Joan used the anger to write one of her most iconic songs, Bad Reputation. But that song became an anthem, an anthem for anyone who's ever felt rejected, disrespected, taken advantage of, and just didn't want to take it anymore. And let's face it, we've probably all felt that way, rock star or not, especially right now. Because, you know, it just seems like there's so much anger in America. The political divisiveness, the global pandemic, the racial injustice, even just everyday life is often not going the way that we want. But why is it then that for some of us, anger takes a toll on our physical and our mental health, not to mention relationships, while for others, it just seems to roll off their backs. Some even figure out a way to channel it into something positive to share with the world, like Joan Jett did. So you have to figure out a way to, to balance the anger so you can use it for fuel, to write things you may think are wrong. Personally, I don't get really angry too often. Sometimes my family even accuses me of not getting angry enough. I'm the kind of guy who may just go simmer in the corner. But at the times when I do lose my temper, I almost always feel instantaneous regret. I know that I could have managed it better. So in today's episode, we're going to explore ways to make anger work for you, not against you. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta. And this is Chasing Life. Everyone feels anger sometimes, from the big things to the small things. 
Once I was so angry after a particularly bad breakup, and I just punched the shower curtain repeatedly until it ripped and broke. And then I was stuck without a shower curtain. I try to repress my expressions of anger. And then when I do finally feel like I've accumulated too much resentment, I'm ashamed of myself that I become furious. You know what makes me angry? Waiting on hold for over an hour, listening to elevator music, only to be disconnected before talking to a human being. My entire senior year was online, and it made me angry. But I was angry at the world, angry at COVID, angry at the people who did not take the pandemic seriously. My son had been toilet training, and one day he wet his pants right next to the little potty he was supposed to be using, and I just blew up. And I kicked the potty across the room, sort of in a rage, and I felt so bad about it. A lot of people think it's a good idea to blow off steam, to vent their anger. That's Brad Bushman. He's a professor of communications at Ohio State University, where he studies human aggression and violence. It's like the old joke, you know, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Well, how do you become an angry, aggressive person? The answer's the same, practice, practice, practice. For a so-called anger expert, I found Professor Bushman to actually be a pretty mild-mannered guy. He's been doing this sort of research for over 30 years, And the thing about his research is that he finds it useful, even for himself, within his own home. I can remember an example where one of our kids got really angry at his older sister and uh, started screaming at her. And I says, no, you know, that's 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 just going to make things worse. Count to 10. I don't want to count to 10. I don't want to count to 10. You should take some deep breaths. I don't want to take some deep breaths. I don't want to take some deep breaths. I want to hit my sister. I want to scream at her. (laughs) You know, doing research on the topic has helped me become a better parent, I think. But I'm curious. I feel like I can define happiness, maybe even frustration, where I feel like I'm, I'm clawing away at something but can't quite get there and it frustrates me. But how do you define anger? What, what is it in its simplest terms? Most researchers define anger as an emotional response to a real or imagined threat or provocation. It can range in intensity from mild irritation to extreme rage. Is there a role for anger? Like, I just think evolutionarily, anger is uncomfortable. It can be painful. Uh, Like I said, I don't get angry a lot, but the few times that I have, I usually deeply regret that I got angry. Why does it exist? Like, what's the purpose of it? It tips people off before a situation escalates to aggression. Hmm. So if somebody can tell that you're becoming angry, they may back off and uh, not provoke you further. When you talk about these things at an individual level, is it possible to sort of evaluate the country as well? I mean, do you feel like the United States, for example, is angrier now than has been in the past? You've been doing this for 30 years. Pandemic, political division, insurrection, you know, whatever it may be. Where are we as a country? Yeah, well, I don't have to guess. We have data. So, for example, we know the pandemic has led to increased alcohol consumption, which is a risk factor for aggression. It's led to increased 
purchase of guns. So yeah, it seems like, you know, anger and aggression levels are particularly high now. Professor Bushman and other anger experts talk about something known as frustration-aggression theory. It's this idea that aggression comes ultimately from being frustrated when you're blocked from attaining a goal. And I think we've all felt that lately. You know, this pandemic is very frustrating. It's blocking a lot of goals. Goals for kids to go to school, goals for adults to go to work, goals to go to concerts, to go to the theater, whatever. All these goals are being blocked. And, you know, frustration is an important source of aggression. Now, there's no doubt we could all probably use some tips on how to better manage anger. But I thought I'd start with some of the misconceptions out there. So I wanted Professor Bushman to set the record straight. I mean, he's known in the field as somewhat of a mythbuster, and I was immediately fascinated to learn that venting, the idea of being cathartic with your anger, is not actually a good strategy. I always thought that people were like pressure cookers, right? And then we need to release the pressure that is built up. It's false. So if you think about that analogy, you know, that anger builds up inside people like pressure in a pressure cooker, people think there are only two options. One is to express their anger, vent their anger, to blow off steam, or they can stuff the anger inside themselves. You know, both of those are really bad for your health. They lead to cardiovascular disease. You know, rather than venting anger or stuffing it inside, turning down the heat is the the best approach. What about the idea of venting to a friend, you know, about the specific issue? What often happens when we talk to our friends is they just validate what we're feeling. Like if we're pissed off at our boss and we tell our friend how pissed off we are at our boss, our friend says, man, I'd be pissed off at my boss too. It can... Just feed the flame. This is really helpful. I mean, it, it's interesting. And I, and I right away, I think of my own life and the people around me and how they deal with their anger as, as you're talking about this. But let's go through a couple of these strategies, just things that for my own life. I mean, I'm a runner. Is, is going for a run when you're angry a good, a good way to deal with it? No, it's a terrible idea. It's good for your heart. And you should keep running. <laughs> But as an anger management strategy, it's a really bad idea because when you go for a run, you keep the arousal levels high and the goal is to get the arousal levels down. So when you run, your heart beats faster and and so on. So the goal is to decrease arousal levels. Is this a known thing that I've just missed out on? Because I'm, you know, I'm in my 50s and I feel like it's been a strategy for me for a long time. And I, you know, and I read papers about the release of endorphins, these feel-good hormones. And I can tell you, Professor, at least just in my own experience, I do feel better when I come back from a run. Just because something feels good doesn't mean it works. You know, people feel good after taking street drugs. People feel good after eating chocolate. And it's not really the acid test of whether something is an effective strategy or not. So my guess is you would predict that the future of rage rooms, for example, which seem to be all the rage, but you predict that that's going to be a a short-lived thing, that those aren't really useful. Well, I predict they're going to be a long-lived thing because people love to vent their anger, but I can also predict that they will do far more harm than good. 
And one of the most rewarding things that has happened to me as a researcher after publishing this research on venting anger is I got a call from a prison. They used to have this padded room with a punching bag in it. And when prisoners would get angry, they would have them go to the room and start beating on this punching bag. And these prison officials contacted me and they said, what do you think of this idea? I said, it's a horrible idea. Get rid of it. You don't want that link established that anger should lead to aggression and just hit. And of course, it's better to hit a punching bag than a person. But our own research has shown pretty conclusively that hitting a punching bag increases the likelihood that you will aggress against real people, including innocent bystanders. Is there a best way to manage anger? And have we been getting it wrong? Keep in mind that if we don't manage our anger correctly, it not only impacts our interactions with others, but it impacts us, our physical health. When we are angry, our bodies release adrenaline and the stress hormone cortisol. You feel it. Our muscles tighten, our heart rate and our blood pressure go up. You feel that surge in your stomach. Studies show that over time, frequent intense anger episodes can lead to high blood pressure, heart problems, and stroke as well as digestive issues in the moment and insomnia. So what about bottling it up and not expressing it at all? Well, to be fair, that also has consequences, including increased anxiety and depression, among others. That's why it's important to deal with the source of your anger constructively and calmly. I know that's easier said than done. So we've already talked about the don'ts when it comes to anger. But then what should we be doing then to control our anger and maybe even channel it? After the break, we'll give you some ideas and tips on what really works. We'll also hear more from Joan Jett about how her anger got her to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and how her music helped millions of others feel less alone in their own anger. And now, we're back with Chasing Life. As we heard earlier from anger expert Brad Bushman, anger can tip us off to the fact that something is wrong. It's kind of like how pain might alert us to physical danger. What's important, though, is how we respond to it and how we can use it for good. If you look back in history, nearly every revolutionary social movement was initially fueled by anger. Civil rights women's suffrage, gay liberation, the recent Me Too and Black Lives Matters movements. Righteous anger can lead to progress and real change. It can also be used to solve problems. Anger can definitely be used in constructive ways, but it can also be destructive. So it's like a double-edged sword. We're talking to singer Joan Jett for this episode. And she told me the story about when she was first on stage and she was playing and people were spitting on her. And yet she stuck with it and channeled that anger into remarkable creativity. What do you think when you hear that? It's really inspiring. It's really inspiring. And it's a great example of how being angry can motivate people to try to solve problems. 
Don't get lost in the actual emotion of anger. Figure out what it is you're angry about, what it is you want to accomplish. Joan Jett didn't let her anger get in the way of achieving her dreams. In fact, she used it to help her get there. And, you know, when I heard about it, I just wanted to write down something about anger and, I don't know, just what came up to me in the moment. I'd love to hear it. I mean, do you feel comfortable just reading some of that? Maybe that'd be a good place to just sort of start. Totally. So this is what I wrote. There are motivating angers and destructive angers. Anger can be channeled into constructive actions that use your anger as fuel. And you need that fuel because the battle was and is constant, unrelenting and lifelong. If you didn't channel it towards some kind of positive outcome, you just burn up inside and are consumed by the fire of your emotions as that's what anger is. So you have to figure out a way to to balance the anger so you can use it for fuel, to write things you may think are wrong. You know, I have to just tell you, I have three teenage girls and I, I told them I'm interviewing you. And so, you know, you don't get many cool points when you're like a, you know, a medical doctor yeah. reporter, you know, with teenage kids. But they're very excited about this. And we were playing some of your music even last night just sort of to get in the headspace of this. And, you know, it really it kind of it kind of struck me that the there is lyrics, you know, that seem to reflect some sort of anger. And yet the songs are catchy. And there's a lightness about it. Is that what you intended? Yes. And I I think a lot of that has to do with my songwriting partner, Kenny Laguna. So um, when Kenny and I met, which was right after the Runaways broke up, I'd say 79. And I was in a very bad, bad place Mm. and just distraught that my dream had ended and that people were so hateful about a girl playing guitar. You know what I mean? It's like we weren't hurting people. We were just playing rock and roll. So... Mm. You know, Kenny uh, started helping with all that. And we took, you know, I'd tell him my life situations and we would turn them into songs. So then I had somebody else to sort of channel this anger, but with humor at the same time. So we were able to work with songs like Bad Reputation, where really I'm proud of my reputation because I'm not, it's bad because people don't expect girls to do anything other than, you know, what we were told in the 50s or whatever. You had anger that you've talked about, but you were able to harness it. You made music that was empathetic and and really welcoming to people. You called it once, and I wrote this down as well. You said, I want to be a primal release for people. And I think you are. I think you yeah. are a primal release for people. There's something about listening to your music. It's just like... Ah, you know, I, I, I needed to hear that and I needed to get something out at the same time. Did you, is that what you wanted people to experience when they were listening to your music? Yes. I want them to get out all that pent up stress, all that stuff that's in there all the time and you can't figure out how to get rid of it. And just yeah. to, yeah, to just throw the bad energy away. Yeah. As your relationship with, with anger and, and all the things that you're describing, has it changed? How so? I feel much more that it has much less of a hold on me mm. in the sense that it can spur me in a moment to whatever, yell or, you know, just not act the way I would want to act. Whereas when I was younger, I think, um, you know, I, I had much more trouble controlling that. I, I don't know if it's part of growing up or part of seeing certain actions. I luckily haven't gotten myself in too much trouble by being 
too angry, but I just don't like the way it makes me feel. I hear you. The thing, the thing that I've realized again in my own life is that the times that I have gotten angry, when I reflect on the entirety of the situation afterward, the thing that made me angry, my own response to it, the thing that upsets me the most afterward is that I got angry. You know, that, that's the thing is like, ah, God, you know, I just wish I hadn't gotten so, you know, lost my cool, whatever, even more so than what it was that I lost my cool about, you know, is, is, is my, and I think that that's, that's, maybe that's age, judgment, wisdom. Maybe, you know, you just do it enough times and you're like, I ain't going down that road. I know where that road leads. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't feel comfortable. Have you ever had fans come up to you and talk to you about this, about how you may have helped them? And maybe the fact that someone like Joan Jett is also experiencing what I'm experiencing. She gets it, you know? I'm, I'm, I have this pent up and she's reflecting it. She's like a mirror to the my... The whole thing is my... connection for me, Sanjay. You know, I mean, it's really about connecting. And I've gotten many, many letters from people, emails, texts, just messages about how much my music helped them or saved their wow. life or got them through the worst time in their life or the best time. I take that so seriously because music is like medicine and music is magic. It's, it can heal people. Some people might try to deal with their anger by listening to Joan's music, which Professor Bushman might not actually recommend. The key, he says, is to turn down the heat. Figure out how to lower the intensity of your emotions. In fact, he had some surprisingly simple tips, which I think I'm actually going to start using in my own life. When people become angry, their physiological arousal increases, such as their heart rate and their blood pressure. So one way to reduce anger is to try to reduce that arousal, such as by counting to 10 before you respond. Or you can do things like take deep breaths or take a bath or listen to calming music or meditate or do yoga. Angry people can't stop ruminating about what made them angry. So to reduce anger, think about something else. Distract yourself by doing something like working on a crossword puzzle or reading a good book. Angry people become immersed in whatever made them angry. So one way to reduce anger is to adopt a fly-on-the-wall perspective. And what I mean by that is see yourself from a more distant, third-person perspective, like another observer might see you. Angry people often lean forward, they're in your face. So one effective way to reduce anger is to do the opposite, lean back. It's very difficult to feel two emotions at the same time. So one strategy is to push out the angry feelings by doing something that will produce positive emotions. So to produce humor, for example, you could watch or read something funny. To produce love, you could pet a puppy or kiss or hug someone. And to produce empathy, you could help someone in need. It's helpful advice for all of us individually. But you can't tell the country to go simmer down and count to 10, right? So how do we address the larger issue of societal anger? 
the effective things for reducing anger that we've talked about can also you know, be effective. Even if just one or two or three people apply it, it will work for them and their immediate circles. But these things tend to have rippling effects. And hopefully the ripples will extend. And the more people who know the science about what works and what doesn't work to manage anger, the better off we all are. I don't want to suggest that we're going to get better at managing our anger overnight. We're not. It's going to take time. It should take time. As Professor Bushman says, it's going to take practice, practice, practice. But if some of you listening try some of these strategies, maybe that could help heal some of the anger we're feeling right now in this country. I really hope so. That's why we did this podcast. The other reason I really wanted to talk about this topic is because I've had a hard time really contextualizing my own feelings sometimes. Personally, I've been feeling very frustrated at what has happened during this pandemic, the fact that we could have been in a very different place by now. When I hear about people not getting vaccines, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes that makes me angry. But after talking to Joan Jett and Professor Bushman, I realized that my anger isn't going to help anybody. I need to channel it into something productive. And I need to meet people with empathy. I really do. And also, as I learned from Professor Bushman, maybe skip the run. But I want to hear about you as well. I'm curious to hear how you might put these anger tips into action in your day-to-day life. Record your thoughts as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. Or you can give us a call at 470-396-0832 and leave a message. We might even include them on an upcoming episode of the podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Chasing Life is a production of CNN Audio. Megan Marcus is executive producer. Zoe Saunders is the senior producer. This episode was produced by Rachel Cohn, Jordan Gosperé, Paige Sutherland, Audrey Horwitz, and Grace Walker. Our production assistant is Allison Park. Our medical writer is Andrea Kane. Tommy Bazarian is our engineer. And a special thanks to Ben Tinker and Amanda Seeley of CNN Health, as well as Ashley Lusk, Rafina Ahmad, Courtney Coop, and Daniel Cantor from CNN Audio. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.